It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Missing Listeners, we wanted to bring you a bonus episode of our bonus show. Our bonus show is called Hidden Opinions, and you can access it on our subscription service at missing.supportingcast.fm. And we do a weekly show breaking down our thoughts and opinions on some of the disappearance cases we cover here on Missing. So I hope you really enjoy it. You can get it at missing.supportingcast.fm. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Follow us at Missing CSM on social media. Welcome back to Hidden Opinions. I'm Tim here today with Lance and Jen. What's up, Lance and Jen? We should answer in unison. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know what you're going to say. Just tell me you're doing good. It's a fake question anyway. I love That's that. True. I love that. I love actually answering that question honestly. When people say, how are you doing? It's like, oh, well, I mean, today started off pretty good. I mean, I got out of bed and it was pretty, you know, pretty, pretty good morning. Had a good sleep. Yeah, like, just get right into it with them. And they're like, <laughs> okay, just stop. Anyway, Hidden Opinions is growing on me. I think it's. I think the name itself is growing on me. Mm-hmm. Just needed some time to let it sink in. Hidden Opinions. I'm, yeah. Seeing it as like a soap opera. Hidden <laughs> Opinions. It's kind of a soap opera name. Yeah, so this is our subscription service show for Missing. If you want to check it out, you want to listen to all these Hidden Opinions episodes, you can go to missing.supportingcast.fm. This one is being brought to the public feed sort of to promote this new subscription service show that we're doing called Hidden Opinions, which you know I find really valuable and I think um, informative as well. Yeah, and huge shout out to everybody who has signed up for our subscription service, including this one. Thank you so much. What you are doing is helping us to sustain as a company and keep these um, for the public episodes going. Uh, we're, we're hoping to even pick up the pace on that because really we don't know any other way to live our lives at this point. And we really <laughs> want to make sure that these people uh, don't get lost in the mix. Uh, and when I say these people, I mean those who are missing these cold cases. Uh, and on the public feed, we can teeter on giving theories, but we want to stick to the facts and we want to stick to what um, has been reported and what the police have investigated and what the family is telling us. And that's really what is driving those public feed stories. Um, but this is like so many of those moments where we're talking about it and two things just line up and we're like, well, we can't quite say that right now. And so you, that's what you get here is that, you know, speculative glue 
between those two details. Um, and it, you like that? Speculative, speculative There's glue. a new name. It's the new name for the show, Speculative yeah. Glue. Yeah. No, that's gross. <laughs> it's uh, got a good ring to it. Yeah. And we also have the crypt, which is uh, connected to Crawl Space podcast. And um, we did get a couple of people uh, not sure if they signed up on the crypt or missing, if it's the same content. It is not the same content on the crypt. We get a little bit more loose. We talk about the shows, the episodes that we recently did or upcoming ones, but it is a lot more of a free form, freestyle uh, product that you'll get over there. Yeah. And we've put both of them on our Patreon. Um, for the time being, we are going to, we're planning to close the Patreon down at some point and it's and the Patreon's only ever existed for the crawl space um, podcast. And so we're, we're not accepting any new patrons. We're trying to funnel everyone who has signed up in the past over to the supporting cast. So that would be, that would be crawlspace.supportingcast.fm for the crawl space subscription feed. And for the missing one, again, it's missing.supportingcast.fm. Yes. And for our yeah. Gen Z listeners, <laughs> we, we are spilling the tea. We are giving our hot takes. Tell your butts. How do you say it? I Toggle it your butts on over. <laughs> All right. So... So we just released an episode on Missing. It just came out today. Uh, we're c- recording this on March 31st, 2022. The episode was about the disappearance of Phoenix Colden from East St. Louis, Missouri, or Spanish Lake, Missouri, depending on what source you look at. Um, but we spoke with two private investigators in today's episode. It's Vanessa and Andrew Wyland. And they are working with Private Investigations for the Missing, which is the nonprofit that we're on the board of and that a lot of the cases that we talk about on the Missing show, they actually come in by way of Private Investigations for the Missing and they're researched by our researchers and Jennifer Amell. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how that comes together. And then there's the side where we have active investigations run by credited, licensed private investigators. And that's where the Wylands come in. And so this was the first time that we've met these two investigators in person. And uh, they actually came to Worcester, Massachusetts, and we had a recording at, in person in Worcester at the, at the Blue Table in the Crawl Space Studios. It was uh, just a lovely experience recording in person with these two, uh, two friends. Oh, I love that you said these two friends, because that's what they are now. And we've known them for you know just over a year or so. I think, yeah, and just stayed in touch with them since. And uh, Vanessa and Andy both met in the military, and they've been together for, my goodness, they've been together. It's pretty much like high school crush, you know, first love. And um, and then they decided that they wanted to take their uh, unique professional traits that they learned in the military, and they've applied them to investigative services. Uh, and they have lakefrontinvestigative.com. Go to lakefrontinvestigative.com and that's their website. And they describe themselves as licensed, experienced, detail-oriented, and they're super detail-oriented. Um, and that's where Vanessa comes in with the, the minutia of everything. And Andy brings this like compassion, right? Like he brings this empathy and this emotion. Not saying Vanessa doesn't have empathy. She's, she certainly <laughs> does. But if if uh, if if we need to be in check on what we're saying because it might come across as uh, a certain way that we're not aware of because we don't know what the family's thinking, Andy will typically be the one to say maybe that's not exactly how you should say this because of this. Yeah. Um, and 
the two of them together make a great pair as far as like investigating missing person uh, cases. Yeah. No, Andrew. Uh, so he does some of the interviews and he'll he'll speak with the Coldens and the family members. So, yeah, you mentioned that word compassion, Lance. I, I have a memory of one of the first times we spoke with him and he said to us, he was like, I'm asking for compassion with a capital C from you guys in regards to this case. And I, I feel like I'll never forget that because that I, I mean, I think of that with a capital C because it I don't know, it just says something different visually than just compassion, you know. So you're right. You're absolutely right on that. And we do try to have compassion with a capital C. As much as we can for two stone cold sons of bitches. <laughs> right. That's what we said. We're like, I'll have as, as much compassion as I can, Andy, but I'm a stone cold <laughs> son of a bitch with a capital B. <laughs> and um, Vanessa gets into the open source intelligence angle, um, sort of side of private investigating, which I find really interesting. And she called it OSINT. I think that's what it kind of, you know, what the abbreviation is, I guess. Um, so if you hear OSINT or you see that anywhere, that's what it stands for, open source intelligence, which is, you know, which is information you can pull online without doing anything illegal, without hacking anybody. That's just open source um, intelligence. That's putting together comments. I mean, that's web sleuthing in a, in a lot of ways. That's essentially a, a fancy way to say web sleuthing. Um, but she's a professional at it. And, and there is a pretty big difference there, I would say. There is an amazing amount of information, especially nowadays, like via social media. I mean, people post their whole lives and stuff. But in OSINT, I'm just curious, is does that include like foying police records and that sort of stuff? Or is it just what's available out there? They've definitely done that. I don't know if that sure. is technically filed under um, OSINT or, uh, or what. But I know that they've definitely um, gotten some forms. Um, I know that Andy has um, placed calls to the police department, the St. The St. Louis Police Department. He's trying to get a hold of Chief Perry, who was the um, first arriving officer on the scene um, when Phoenix' car was reported, and and I guess you know before Phoenix was reported missing. Um, he is now the chief of of police over there, I guess. And, uh, and so Andy's been trying to get a hold of him. He, uh, he, had, he did the Oxygen special about Phoenix's show. So we're kind of just putting the call out to him to sort of get back to Andy. I think it could be helpful. These are two professional private investigators who are volunteering their time to work on Phoenix's case. Um, they said in the interview that the case is not cold, or, or at least they've been given no indication that it's technically cold. Um, so maybe that's why they're not hearing back. But usually um, a private investigator who's working with private investigations for the missing will hear back from current law enforcement. Getting into that whole minutia of the uh, open source investigating, uh, doesn't it like give you a wonderful sense of reassurance that someone like Vanessa is doing that? Um, because people who aren't trained in that, people who didn't, go through, you know, military experience for, you know, whatever reason. There's so much that you can put together that isn't necessarily supposed to be put together when you're looking into different comments and different co contributors and blog posts. And, and I feel like it takes a certain kind of brain to make that um, delineation between what you're looking for and what you're trying to make fit. And, and I think Vanessa has that very clear um, 
line between the two. Whereas me, I would get into that and I would put I'd put shit together that's like you know conspiracy theory, <laughs> you know borderline. Uh, by the time I'm done, I've I've figured out that the moon landing was faked and <laughs> and JFK's you know gonna meet everybody in in Dallas. You know, that, did it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I feel like Vanessa's like okay. Even though I want these two details to come together, I, it just doesn't make sense. It's not realistic. Yeah, that's definitely where her training comes into play. And I think it's important to mention that Vanessa was in intelligence in the military. It's not like she was an infantryman like out there <laughs> uh, blowing down doors and stuff. Um, but yeah, they they train them very, very technically. Um, they have a lot of like cybersecurity training, um, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of that comes into play with her analysis of the of the details that she finds uh, publicly available. Yeah. And and I don't you know, to your to your point, Lance, about like you would put together a story like she definitely hasn't done that. And I think in her job, it sounded like in the interview, what she would do is sort of compile the information and then hand it over. So I feel like there's a little bit of um, like a safety net in place. Like even if, you know, it was you or me doing, doing that OSINT job and we're passing that in, like, it's not like any arrest is going to be made based on that. It's really got to be looked at um, deeper, you know, and uh, sort of those sources identified um, before any, anything really happens, I think, but it is extremely helpful. And I'm sure the St. Louis police department, um, would be would be assisted by that information as well. And another thing they got into, um, you know, we spoke a little bit about Phoenix's case, mostly at the end of the episode. And really, it was mostly about the details about her car and the area where her car was found and sort of some of the inconsistencies in, in the reporting. Um, also, like, why was 911 called on this vehicle after it was only sitting there, I think, for it was 56 minutes, I think, that um, that Andrew said, or 56 or 58 minutes, somewhere in that range. So it's such a bizarre story because he said the the, the chief apparently said the car was, was pulled over and not blocking the road, which, again, is kind of in conflict to what um, had previously been out there. So I think that's one of the reasons Andy really wants to speak to uh, Chief Perry because he was the first arriving officer. So that that account comes from him, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then again, why why was 911 called? Uh, why was the car towed after only an hour? Couldn't Phoenix have come back to the car? I don't understand. I'm not sure where this piece of information came in, if it was from the 911 call or not. But was there reference to a female victim? Yeah. Yeah, apparently it's in the paperwork. It says victim. Hmm. Yeah, so very confusing what this female was a victim of. I guess technically we don't know it, that it's Phoenix, but I think we it's probably safe to assume that it's Phoenix. It's it's a uh, it, it really a head scratcher when we were talking about that with um with Andy and Vanessa because We've seen cars on the side of the road. We get into that a little bit. We've seen cars on the side of the road, whether it's you know, outside of a city or in the you know, on a back road or something, just in our lives. And you know, it's never really occurred to me to call nine one one except for one instance, which I bring up in the episode. And that was you know, that was a circumstance where the car was running for over two hours, so it just felt necessary to call somebody. And when I called 
the police, I didn't call 911, I called the police directly. They said, you need to call 911. And I was so surprised. Um, but that was a different set of circumstances. Uh, we recently interviewed a gentleman who is a former NYPD uh, police officer who primarily worked in the grand theft department of the New York Police Department. And he was just talking about like when you see a car on the side of the road, um, it's probably a car that's been stolen and they, they stripped it down to take it to um, chop shops, uh, which is not the case in, in Phoenix's car. I don't want to confuse the, the issue, but it did make us uh, want to take advantage of that opportunity with this gentleman, Vic Ferrari, and ask him what would cause somebody to call 911 if they saw a car on the side of the road. And he really didn't have that good that, that his answer wasn't that satisfying. He basically said him personally, because he's sort of a uh, he described himself as somebody because he's a former cop will harass police officers like he will <laughs> not harass them, but he will call them if he sees something out of, you know, that's weird to him. He'll call them and he's always like on their ass about, you know, getting some sort of conclusion to something. So he said personally him. Yeah, if he saw a car on the side of the road, he would probably call the police. But that's just his personality. And he's like, well, you know, not knowing really details of like where the car was, how long it's been there, you know, what, what the condition is. Uh, he really didn't have that satisfying of an answer, which even adds more confusion to the topic. Because um, we asked a police officer who specializes in, in grand theft. And, auto, and yeah. Auto, like that was his thing. He loved it. And it's basically like, well, it just kind of comes down to the circumstances and the type of person that saw it and made that call. Yeah. Isn't it amazing, guys, that I just spoke for like a minute and a half and I said literally nothing? <laughs> like, we didn't get any further with the conversation. I just added another layer of confusion to it. Sounded good. There's no speculative glue there. <laughs> well, it is It is sort of a weird thing. I mean, yeah, Jen, feel free to, to add to that. Like, I, I don't know. I don't understand how and why that happened in Phoenix's case. Very confusing. Yeah, it is. It is very bizarre that that happened. And I'm assuming the Wylands have not gained access to that 911 call and don't know the contents of that call. Is that right? This is Tim cutting in after the recording, and we don't really have a good answer for this, but Lou Barry, private investigator from PIs for the Missing, checked in and let us know that short of a court order or needed as evidence, they are taped over. So it is not unusual that they would no longer be available after all this time, and that's if they were not preserved as evidence, and apparently they were not. And so it seems like it was 30 days for 911 calls to have been taped over back in 2011. But Lou notes that technology has changed now as well as perhaps the retention protocol. Yeah, I mean, in most cases, 911 calls are part of the public record and you shouldn't have any trouble requesting those except in exempt circumstances. And this may be one of those. Like, It's like very relevant information to an open case. And that's why they're not able to like listen to the call or read a transcript. I wonder if it could be released in a redacted form, but I'm sure that would provide a lot of answers to our questions. So we also got into the area a little bit of where Phoenix's car was found and uh, Phoenix's car was found. And um, they they said that it was essentially right outside of a, like a brothel. I think they called it like an unsavory place. Um, and, uh, even later went on to say that 
that Lawrence actually went into some of those places and, and asking if anyone had seen Phoenix. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea of what they thought uh, could have happened to Phoenix earlier. Um, or or I, I, sh- I shouldn't even say what they thought, what they were investigating, what they were looking into. Um, I suppose where the car was found could be a, a huge clue. I guess we don't really know yet, um, but it, it could very well be a, a solid clue there. And um, we asked Vanessa and Andy if they were sort of hinting around the topic of sex trafficking, and they, they said yes. Um, you know, I think that means a lot of different things, or it could mean, you know, there's a, a pretty wide spectrum of what that means. Um, so yeah, that, but it's, it's very tragic, tragic situation. If that is, um, you know, what happened to Phoenix or where she is now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely, uh, uh, an angle worth pursuing and exploring. Um, I can't imagine what that research work is though, like going on the dark web and joining these forums and scrolling through pornography and, uh, man, it's awful. Um, and I can't imagine Phoenix's father, Lawrence, walking into these places and like these seedy establishments and having to show a picture of Phoenix or ask him if they have seen his daughter. I mean, that's got to be very emotionally trying. And they sort of said in the interview that they're they're tired, you know, like they've the Phoenix went missing in in December of 2011, so it's been, you know, over 10 years now and uh and they're tired. I mean, could you imagine doing that? No. And not until uh, not until Jenny just brought that up did I think about. And this is going to sound super. Um, it, it's going to sound like it doesn't really make a difference, or or it shouldn't matter. But yeah, it 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 is absolutely brutal for a father to go into these clubs to show a picture of his daughter. Uh, and I'm not taking away from that, but what do you think like the manager or the bartender or like who the person receiving that photo thinks? I mean, does that give that person a reality check? Do you think someone comes in and says, my daughter's been missing. I think they might, you know, have something to do with whatever's going on in your establishment. I mean, as a manager of a, of a strip club or something like that, wouldn't you just kind of check yourself and be like, wow, I, I operate an establishment. Even if it's legit, I have nothing wrong with strip clubs. Don't get me wrong. But I would just, I don't know what I would think. Yeah, I mean, I would hope it would allow them to empathize a little bit with the dancers that they employ and the danger inherent mm-hmm. in such a profession and that they take pains to protect protect the women that come to work in their establishments. I definitely hope so. I mean, this reminds me of a lot of cases uh, we've covered on these airwaves, um, namely Morgan Bowers case that she was involved in strip clubs down near Atlanta and Georgia and that her mother had to go in and ask managers of all these strip clubs have you seen my daughter um additionally Bruce Maitland uh Brianna Maitland's father has also had to entertain this sex trafficking angle and it's like it's a place no parent should ever have to go but I mean that said no parent should ever have to miss their child isn't there an, another way to make money? I mean, even illegally. I mean, if you're prone to doing criminal behavior to make money, can't you find something else? Something a little less like 
damaging. I mean, so you mentioned like the manager of strip club or a brothel as, as the, the word was used in this, um, in that interview. Um, like, I don't know. I think at some point, probably before you become the manager of a brothel, you, you kind of checked your ethics and morals, um, about all that, because there is a lot of criminal activity that happens there. You know, regardless if you're, you know, I'm pretty sure you're probably not calling 911 or the police on everything you think might be criminal that happens inside the building. You know, probably not that type of person. Put yourself out of business. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. So, and I'm sure that doesn't go for for everyone uh, working in that field. Just for the record, and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. But one of the other topics we got into in the conversation with the Wylands was uh, grifting. And um, they sort of described some, I guess, scam attempts and I think successful scams uh, in the past um, of the Colden family. And they, th- this is a prevalent threat to families of missing loved ones. Um, there are scammers out there who, and there's all, all sorts of different kinds of, one, of them, of grifts. Um, we've seen this lately. This is sort of a, um, I guess you could say, a very common topic these days behind behind closed doors here at Crawlspace Media and uh, basically other podcasts. I mean, we've been hearing stories in the true crime uh, creator circles about some of these grifter types. Nothing really gets my goat more than preying upon families of missing people. Or murdered people it's like they've already been victimized by something horrible happening to their family member and then they have to deal with this like oh my god mm-hmm. so horrible i know i i have talked about this on a previous es- episode somewhere but um in reaching out to the family of jacob dubois um to try to get an interview for our episode and learn more about jacob and his case and stuff um, I, I got a call from his fiance and, and she was really cagey about me and that, like me being me, I was like, of course I'm not up to anything like nefarious and, you know, like genuinely trying to learn more and trying to help. But just having been party to that experience, like kind of like made me realize and opened my eyes to the reality of the situations that these families have to deal with. Because they were warned by law enforcement and by their attorneys to be on the lookout for people who would be trying to scam them or ask for money. She, uh, Jacob's fiance, asked me if, if they had to pay me to cover Jacob's case. And I was like, of course not. Oh, my God. Are people doing this? It's, it's terrible. Yeah, and Andy gives some really good advice. Um, his, his key piece of advice if if you're a family member who's received a call like this is to stay calm and just ask questions make sure that you ask the questions but stay calm and he kept i think that's what he kept, he repeated he, he said you just need to keep your head you know keep your head about you and stay calm um and then they, they will police 
uh, someone calling to say that they're they're uh, an investigator looking into the disappearance will never ask for money. They'll never ask for money. A legit investigator will never ask for money. It'll never be. They'll never lead with that. Not GoFundMe money. Not money from your wallet. Not yeah. money. <laughs> no money. <laughs> um. So so he gives some really good advice there. I think what is. Jen, you said this gets your goat. I mean, obviously, like preying on families who are desperate for answers is just like repulsive. But I, I think like the majority of these fraudsters actually have some sort of credibility in their field. They actually have some sort of credential, whether it's um a degree in some sort of, uh, I don't know, science that would lend to their credibility to say, I'm a professional at what I'm doing. And that but then they take that and they make that the scam. So they, they somewhere along the lines, they went to school for whatever science put them in this position. Somewhere along the lines, they thought that it would be a better way to make money. To Where's your moral compass? Your moral compass is gone at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think a good piece of advice there in, in the case that you're talking about, Lance, a certain scientific field. Let's just use an example of forensic anthropology. Sure, um, just throw the dart at the wall. Let's just land throw it a on dart. forensic anthropology. Interesting. So, forensic Weird. anthropology. Um, you'd th- you'd think, okay, someone who's credited in forensic anthropology wouldn't be a grifter, wouldn't be full of shit. Um, but one thing you should do if you're a family member and you're approached by someone who claims to be, um, you know, trying to help, talk to other people in the field, because I promise you, other forensic anthropologists will know what this person is up to. And this is, I, and now I'm talking specifically this, that actually happened specifically behind the, behind the scenes. I won't get into um, specifically who or, or the, the scenario, but we also had an episode that ran maybe about a month ago on the missing feed. Um, we interviewed two, two people, their husband and wife team, and we got a lot of emails and questions and comments about these people. Um, and you, you know, you can scroll back. You, I mean, I invite you to check out the YouTube comments here, um, you know, on, on that episode. I really hope you do. What's that episode called? I believe it's called, let me, let me find out real quick. Meet the Babers. <laughs> well, I think it was, it's technically episode 280, uh, 146 of Maura Murray's story. And uh, we got a lot of questions about those people, and the word grifter came up a lot, let me just say. Like, by every every email. I mean, I can't even count the amount of comments, questions, emails we got about those people mm-hmm. and about their website and about their what seem like absurd claims on their website. It's actually interesting to compare a couple like the Wylands and their investigative efforts and their credentials and a couple like the Babers. I mean, it's night and day. I mean, you can... <laughs> see that so easily right and we we are friends with other private investigators too lou barry greg overacker those are just two other ones and and they appeared on our show on our um live crime and culture live a couple of weeks ago um that that audio is on the crawl space um subscription service and we're also going to bring that to the public feed i think next week on missing so you can hear actual private investigators and how professional they sound. In fact, two episodes in a row on Missing, you can hear four professional private investigators 
talk about how professional they are in the cases that they're investigating. Please, if you're a family of a missing loved one, please listen to those episodes and understand the professionalism that goes into it. And don't accept anything less. One one more quick thing on the Babers, and definitely, definitely listen to, well, maybe two more quick things. Definitely listen to that episode. Definitely watch that. Definitely, uh, if you have the opportunity to check out the YouTube uh, video of the uh, episode, definitely do that because there's a lot of telling things there. Um, one One thing that I really loved was that the listeners totally understood why we did it. There was a handful that... Maybe not even a handful, maybe one or two. I don't know. I don't really remember a comment that was like, you know, you guys have totally like lost your minds for having these people on. Most of the people, 99% of the listeners understood why we had these these people on and uh, said that they wouldn't have been able to have kept their shit together while they were talking. And when I say while they were talking, I mean while the man was talking, while he was talking and not letting Jalen talk. And that's why I said, watch the video. What I don't want to get lost in this is that yes they're 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 on the they're on the level of grifters on some 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 uh on some scale if it's 1 to 10 I don't know where they're at but you know they're they're less on the legit side and more on the um grifter side what I don't want to get lost is his behavior towards his wife in that video she looks absolutely terrified she would start off each of her answers uh and she would look at him almost for some sort of um, approval for what she was saying. And then the end of her answers never really wrapped up. She would always just trail off. Like she had the beginning part down and then, and then she just petered off as if like, she wasn't sure about the actual point she was trying to make, even if she was speaking about herself. And we had got a lot of comments saying that this guy, look at how controlling he is. And then you look at Andy and Vanessa letting each other speak, having confidence in what they're saying, uh, referring to each other, saying, well, that's more of a Vanessa thing. That's more of an Andy thing. Like the mutual respect is like so obvious there and professionalism is so obvious. I would love to do a statement analysis of Alex Baber and like just what he said to us. I mean, the, the man speaks in these like grandiose terms and he's not really saying anything. And actually any fact, like any detail he does go into, and this is rare, it's wrong or like yeah. speculation and not a fact. And you compare that to somebody like Vanessa, when she's like saying details, she's saying where she sourced them. She's saying she's correcting the minutia as we touched on before. And she doesn't speak in these terms. Like, of course we're going to solve this. Like we're going to be the heroes who will ride in and save the day. Like that's, that's, um that's a politician speaking right there. <laughs> Yeah, well, failure's not in his tool belt. No. <laughs> or toolbox. Uh, I think he said tool belt, which is a crazy yeah. thing to say, by the way, because everybody's failed at something. You know, we, we haven't gotten where we are without failing a million times. Like, mm -hmm. that's just the reality. <laughs> Imagine if Alex Baber also wore a to tool belt, too. Like, he With has a shoulder holster. holster yeah. And, yeah. A tool belt. and then a tool belt. Yeah. It's like Batman, like grappling hook in there. I'd love to meet them in, at CrimeCon. I would love to go to CrimeCon and be like, oh, they came to CrimeCon, and I would love to have a conversation with them. Ugh, it, it's sickening, and it was sickening doing that interview. Not going to lie. It was it was wild. It was it was a ride that was out of control, and we were hanging on. Um, but it was like, I get hives. I think we've brought that up numerous times that I get hives for several different reasons. Um, by the time I was done, like, 
I was blowing up. Like <laughs> it was I was I was a I was a fiery mess. You were the blueberry from Willy Wonka. <laughs> I was yeah, I was uh what's her name? Um Veruca? Veruca? I know there's yeah. Veruca. Veruca Salt is one of them from from that movie. Is she the rich girl? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe not the one who turned into a blueberry. I get them confused. Um, but also, I, I do want to mention on um, on the Babers website, it does say that um, Jay Lynn was abducted uh, at the age of 18, and her assailants were never found, charged, or convicted. And that experience led her to find her passion in forensic psychology and criminal justice um, so that more perpetrators of violent crimes can be found and convicted, bringing closure to both victims and families. But you know, her, her assailants were apparently never found or convicted, um, or charged. We have not found any evidence of that, by the way, not saying there would obviously be media on that. I mean, it depends how public the story is. So I'm not saying it's not true, but if it, if it isn't true, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my gut feeling is that Jalen is more of a victim than, uh, in on the grift. I don't, you know, I don't want it to, come off like an attack of Jay Lynn um, at all. Oh, it's certainly not an attack on Jay Lynn. No. I, I mean, read that that's information that they put on their public website. Mm-hmm. And did either of them mention it during the interview? No. As, no, I wish, I wish I asked. No, no. Well, it, no, that that's something that, like, you can ask about their professional experiences and stuff. But, I mean, she was... She was abducted when she was 18 years old, um, assaulted, abused, uh, left. You know, she escaped or or was or was left for someone to find. Like that's yeah. a traumatic experience. There's no reason why you or I would be like, "Oh, do you want to tell us about that time you were abducted?" Without them sort of breaching it first. You know, I mean, he all he had to do was say, and she had this traumatic experience that really motivated her to help other victims. Then then the doors open. Then you can be like, "Well, tell us about that." But personally, I. I wouldn't bring that up unless it was, you know, the door was like opened a little bit for us to go in. Yeah, especially because of how uncomfortable she already was. She already in was that right. Interview. It wouldn't have been appropriate. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. And uh, more sort of strange claims from them was uh, about the Zodiac case. Um, you know, Alex. Alex said that he um, got a call from the Zodiac killer. He said he solved <laughs> one of the ciphers and then got a call. Uh, that same night from from who he described uh, as m- must have been the Z- the actual Zodiac killer. <laughs> and uh, and he told him where he worked, where his address was and things like that. And uh, and it got him freaked out. And then he got out of the investigative biz for a while. And then his law enforcement friends sort of asked him to come back. That that is oh, his they story. Him. That is that is what he said on uh, on some other some other website or program or something. And I think that story is out there in print as well. You know, and we, we put a call out for that. You know, we know a lot of people in the Zodiac community. Um, they think his claims are ridiculous, just, you know, so the public knows. Wait, hang on. So yeah. his story is that he solved one of the ciphers from the Zodiac. Yes. He did it like like on the 6,247th try or something because his brain thinks differently. Okay. And then how did the Zodiac know <laughs> that Alex Faber had solved his... He's magical. He's <laughs> magical, Jen. The Zodiac knows all. No, I, ga- I guess. Telepathic <laughs> message on the astral plane. I mean, I guess in in this scenario, uh, if assuming that story is true and 
Alex uh, worked on some cipher and then got a call from someone who freaked him out, whether it's the real killer or not, I'm sure it's not. Um, but in the theory that, that Alex was working on, I suppose he was working on the website, a dark, maybe the dark web, and he published this cipher that he thought he solved and people who are also into the Zodiac community, someone found out who he was and called him again, no idea if that's true, really highly doubt that the killer did that. Um, because the killer is probably dead. Those murders happened a long time ago. And, um, and I know this was, I think this story happened 10 years ago or something like that, but, um, it could have been anybody else too. It, it could have been, uh, millions of different people like who look into that case. It's just suspect too, because this story is really serves to like bolster Alex's ego, right? It's like he was smart enough to solve the cipher and like smart enough to reach, like solve this globally recognizable case but there's no proof of anything Mm -hmm. but jen he checks his ego at the door oh right i forgot yeah (laughs) (laughs) well the 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 truly um disturbing and dangerous and damaging thing that uh he's already preemptively set himself up to do and his organization his team over there is to solve maura murray's disappearance and he's already told us what the uh, solution is, which is her body got washed down the river and was located in an area uh, they were unable to identify her. And she is now in some morgue, in some, uh, yeah, in some morgue as an unidentified Jane Doe. He's already solved it. He's already told us how it's going to be solved. They're heading up there in May and he's going to probably tell us that a body that matches some characteristics of Mora is, is, is in um, a morgue. And that is, this is completely dangerous and, and destructive to the case. Yeah. And in fairness, that could be true that Mora Murray is a, is a Jane Doe in a different state. Um, but he's got no, no evidence. I mean, we, that wouldn't be the first time we've heard that thought. Now there was another case. I won't mention any specifics, um, but they apparently claimed this same thing that there was a Jane Doe found in a missing persons case, and there was no Jane Doe, and that was that was what we heard. Um, so that that is uh, really egregious. I can't even begin. I really want to get into the details there, but we'll hold back a little bit for now. But that's just morally corrupt and bankrupt that's that's a grift that right there yeah. is a grift especially if you're asking for family's time or god forbid their gofundme and i think in that case there wasn't a gofundme so it definitely wasn't what they were doing in that case i have no idea about other cases it's remarkable how many emails have we've received in the past where somebody will say you know whether it's mora or brianna or i don't know yeah i'll just use those two examples they'll start off the email by saying i know what happened to Brianna. I know what happened to Mora. This person is involved because of this. And then they go on this really intense, uh, almost manic uh, explanation of why they think person X is responsible. And then if you engage, if you respond back and you continue this relationship with this person, their their theories will change. And then they'll say, I know I said it was this, but it's this. And that's exactly how Alex is acting when he says, guys, I'm telling you, her body washed away, so it's in the morgue, it's unidentified, that's exactly what's happening. And then, you know, if that doesn't work out, he'll he'll come up with another reason. 
it'll always be the answer that no one else is seeing except except him. I hate it. <laughs> well, I hope this uh, this episode was interesting to you out there. This is our subscription service show called Hidden Opinions. You can subscribe at missing.supportingcast.fm. We're doing these weekly. We'll talk about certain episodes, some things that happen behind the scenes here at Crawlspace Media and at The Missing Show. And uh, we will be back next week with more. Um, next time, it, this will not be on the public feed, but we will promote it again, I'm sure. Um, check it out. It's only 5 bucks to subscribe. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.